Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our, mid, our, our Wednesday night Bible class. We're thankful to have the opportunity, the ability, and the means to be able to podcast Bible classes each Wednesday night, posted at 6.30 Central Daylight Time, for those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. We know there are people in the Omaha area who might like to be in a Bible class, a Bible study, but they cannot get out, perhaps. Maybe they don't have the opportunity because of a schedule conflict to be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ here in Omaha. We know that there are also people around the country and around the world who want to study God's Word, and so we're thankful to be able to address all of those needs by posting a podcast Bible study through the medium of the internet every Wednesday evening at 6.30. Now, we're Thankful also to have the opportunity to do these kinds of Bible studies uh, on a wider span basis. Sunday morning Bible class, we post that for those who cannot be with us at 9.30 every Sunday morning. And then, of course, we post our, our sermons on Sunday morning, on Sunday night. And we also put the word out there through a daily radio program, Monday through Friday, called Search the Scriptures. I really believe that one of the gems of our podcast ministry is a short, about a 13-minute Bible class every single day, seven days a week, called Today's Bible Class, addressing all kinds of concerns, needs, uh, scripture matters, doctrinal teachings, social problems, all kinds, and it's there every day. Just a short study that can get us into God's Word still every single day. And being in God's Word consistently is important to our faith because the Scriptures teach us that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us if you're able every Wednesday evening at 7.30 and also Sunday mornings at 9.30 for Bible classes, 10.30 for worship, and again Sunday evening at 6 o'clock for our evening worship. Now, if you're listening from some other area or even from the Omaha area and you can't be with us, then we encourage you also to go to our Bible, uh, go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and Take advantage of the opportunity yourself, but also encourage everybody you know to sign up for our podcasting. When you get to our website, churchofchrist.com, scroll down to the podcast link, click on it, and enroll. There's no charge for that. There never will be a charge for that. We just want to help people get to heaven. We're not after their wallets. And when you sign up or anybody signs up for a podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device our sermons on Sunday, our Bible class Sunday morning, our Wednesday night Bible class, and our daily Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures, and our seven-day-a-week short Bible study, short enough to allow us to fit it into our busy schedules, today's Bible class. All of that will go to their smart device for free. And while at our website, they can download and access and listen to hundreds of sermons. And a great many of those are now posted in video format as well as audio format. But the audio format is there if somebody wants to listen to that while they're driving along in their car. 
Also, they can download and read through and study through hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles. And again, all of this is for free. So take advantage of it yourself. Tell everybody you can. Encourage them to take advantage of it. It's a great way to get into God's word and begin to build our faith. Because again, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We also encourage you to share these podcasts with everybody you can. Family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, literally everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But you may help somebody build their faith. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them. But it will also be a great blessing for you. So start sharing with everybody you can today. We're going to finish up our study in Second Peter today, and I know this has been a rather lengthy study. We've looked at Peter's, both of his letters, in depth and in detail, and I've not really rushed through them at all because I wanted to try to bring out the richness of what he has communicated to us through these two fairly short as far as number of chapters and number of verses, and if you counted all the words, there aren't you know, a terribly lot of words there as compared to, say, the four gospel accounts or the book of Acts or the book of Romans or 1 Corinthians or even 2 Corinthians. But what's there is really rich and it's really instructive for our personal spiritual lives. So I pray and I hope that this has been a very beneficial study for you. We'll see what we'll get into next after this. But right now, let's look at the last three verses of Second Peter chapter 3 as we bring this particular study to a close. And so the Apostle Paul says, and he's referring to the scriptural writings of the Apostle Paul, he says, as also in all his epistles or all his letters, all those letters that Paul wrote, beginning with 1 Corinthians and going through, well, at least Philemon, and some would say all the way through the book of Hebrews, but that's conjecture, and we can't say that for sure because Paul did not identify himself as the penman for the book of Hebrews. A lot of similarities between what is written in the book of Hebrews and some of the other letters that Paul wrote, but there are also some dissimilarities, and so we can't say that for sure. But many people would say, well, it just looks to me like because of those similarities and what is really addressed there, that, that probably the Apostle Paul wrote that one also, guided by God through the Holy Spirit to do so. Well, that's, that's fine if you've reached that conclusion, but again, we like to refer to that particular letter as the Hebrew, the, author, the writer of that as the Hebrews writer. But Paul wrote a whole lot, again, beginning with the book of Romans and then going all the way through at least the letter to Philemon. And uh, here Peter refers to his writings in kind of a short way. He says, as, in, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which unstable and untaught people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So we paid some attention to this last time, and we talked about how there are false teachers out there. They're all over the place. A whole lot of people who would claim to be preachers of the gospel, teachers of God's word, and 
a lot of them are just outright frauds. They know that they're teaching error, but they're doing it anyway for personal reasons, to gain a following perhaps, maybe to raise a lot of money for themselves in their ministry, um, to gain some some popularity, whatever the reason might be, they know they're teaching false doctrine, at least in parts of what they teach. But there are also many false teachers out there who sincerely believe that what they teach is what God's Word says. Now, they're sincere in that, but sincerity does not make somebody necessarily accurate in what they say or what they teach. We know that in our personal lives. Probably Each one of us has said something somewhere along the way, maybe a number of times, about something or maybe something to somebody that we were really sincere in believing that what we said was true and accurate, only to find out later that we were wrong, we had made a mistake. Hopefully, prayerfully, that it did not cause any real damage and that we corrected the matter when we found out that we had been in error. Well, there are a lot of false teachers who are like that. They really believe that what they're teaching, although it is in error, although it contradicts what God's Word says, they really believe that to be the truth. But we have to get deeper into God's Word. We have to look at it from a, <clears throat> from a more clear-headed, perhaps, perspective so that we can understand what it really does say. I have known brethren or read writings from brethren within the Lord's church that have said things that I believe that probably they picked up from somebody else in the Lord's church and they were respected brothers and and so they accepted that maybe without doing enough careful study and now these were not points of doctrine that were matters of salvation necessarily but but just things that maybe they did not get deep enough into the scriptures to fully analyze completely and correctly and and that's unfortunate but when you have denominational preachers teaching very serious doctrinal errors such as how do i come to salvation before God through Jesus Christ? Do I just believe? Do I just say something called a sinner's prayer that is nowhere found in the scriptures? Or do I really put all of those different texts of scripture that talk about salvation, how I come to salvation, do I put all those together and realize that they all are part of a set, if you would, They're all steps toward the same end, and that is my salvation. So I need to believe in Jesus as the Son of God and my Lord and Savior, John 8 and verse 24. I must believe first in God as God, the Father, the Creator, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. But then I also need to repent of my sins, as Jesus said in Luke 13 and verse 3 and again in verse 5. I need to confess my faith openly in Christ, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. And I also need to respond in the obedience of being baptized into Christ so that the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse me of the guilt of my sins. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, Acts 2 and verse 38, and Acts 22 and verse 16. And as we read uh, earlier in in, Peter's, Peter's letters here, 
Peter said, baptism doth also now save us. Baptism doth also now save us. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. So clear cut, very straightforward, easy to understand scriptures that all refer to how I come to salvation. Now, I need to believe all of those. I need to realize they all come together. They're all part of God's plan for my salvation. They're all part of the gospel of Christ. So when denominational preachers or anybody, whether they identify themselves with a denomination or not, anybody who's teaching something different is teaching something that's in error, whether they realize it or not, whether they sincerely believe what they're teaching is the truth or not. Error is still error. Falsehood is still falsehood. And we need to point that out in love and kindness, but by way of correction, firm correction as well. So Peter talks about how there have been unstable and untaught individuals who have twisted some of what the Apostle Paul wrote as Scripture, again, guided by God through the Holy Spirit to write that Scripture, that being God's very word, the final product. Peter says there have been some untaught and unstable people who have twisted some of what Paul wrote to their own destruction. Now, there's the key. When we change God's word, and we've emphasized this many times, it is no longer God's word. When we change God's word, now it's my word. It's no longer God's word. We noted in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, that Paul, writing to the Galatian Christians, corrected them, rebuked them for starting, at least starting to be taken into false doctrine by some false teachers who had come in to those congregations. And he says they have changed the gospel, but it's no longer the gospel. Because once they changed it, he said, that's not the gospel. He refers to it as another gospel initially, and then he says, which is not another. There's only one true gospel. We cannot correct it. We cannot change it. We cannot somehow tweak it and still it be the gospel of Christ. Once we change it, it's no longer the gospel of Christ. It's our teaching as being the gospel. And so Peter's warning the brethren here to be careful about what you are here being taught from God's word. Make sure it is truly God's word and that it's being taught correctly. When I'm preaching, and I've said this many times through my uh, career preaching the gospel and teaching God's word, I, I, from time to time, I tell people, don't don't believe what I'm telling you just because I'm saying it. You check what I'm saying with what God's Word says. Make sure that I'm teaching what God's Word says. I love to hear the pages of people's Bibles turning as I'm quoting Scripture or reading from Scripture or teaching God's Word from Scripture. I love to see people taking notes as I'm preaching or teaching. That's, that's all wonderful because they're checking it out to make sure 
that I'm teaching the truth from God's word. So we need to be careful to make sure that what we hear being taught as Bible, as the gospel, is truly what's in the Bible and what is in the gospel message of salvation. In verse 17, Peter goes on and he says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. There are a whole lot of people who believe, and they teach emphatically in some denominational circles that once a person is saved, they can never be lost. Once they have been saved by God's grace, they can never fall from God's grace. Really? Well, again, what did I just say? What did I just emphasize? Make sure that what you are taught is what God's word really says. In Galatians chapter 5, and the first four verses, the Apostle Paul is dealing with false teachers who have come into that area, and they have tried to teach these rather recently converted Christians that they also needed to keep at least some tenets of the law of Moses, particularly circumcision. And so beginning in verse 1 of chapter 5 of his Galatians letter, Paul wrote this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. And he's referring to that Old Testament law of Moses. Don't be caught up in that again. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Paul is saying circumcision is not a sign of the covenant between God and his true people now in New Testament times. It was between God and the Israelites in Old Testament times under the law of Moses. But when Christ died on the cross... Paul has taught, he brought that Old Testament law of Moses, that period of biblical history, to a close. He gave us the New Testament of Christ. And so Paul says, if you're circumcised, and I think the implication here, we probably need to understand, is in compliance with that Old Testament law of Moses, he says Christ will profit you nothing. You're going back into an old law that is no longer in force. And he goes on in verse 3, he says, And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he, who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. So you're going to have to go back and keep every tenet of that Old Testament law of Moses, not just circumcision. And then he goes on in verse 4 and he says, and the understanding here is, if that's the direction you go, you have become estranged from Christ. I believe another translation says cut off from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, referring back to the law of Moses. And then he says this, you have fallen from grace. Now, that does not say that it is impossible to fall from God's grace once you have been saved by God's grace, does it? 
And there's no way to explain that away. Paul says, if you go back into that old law, well, now just look by implication. What if you go off into false teaching? What if you go off into atheism? What if you go off into, and you can fill in the blanks, any manner of unfaithfulness, ungodliness, sinful direction, you have fallen from grace. There's the principle. You can fall from God's grace once having been saved by God's grace. And now what does that mean? You can be lost if you don't pay attention to your salvation, to your state in Christ. We come back to 2 Peter. We look at chapter 2 and verse 14. And here Peter writes, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, they have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. Hmm. Who's he talking about? False teachers. False teachers. When we look at Colossians chapter 1, we go back to one of Paul's letters again, Colossians chapter 1. And I want us to look at verses uh, 21 through 23. What does Paul write here along this line? Beginning with verse 21, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled. How? Why? Because you became Christians. You were baptized into Christ. The blood he shed on the cross cleansed you of the guilt of your sins at that point. You have been, he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Oh, but here comes a really big word in the next verse. If, if, that's a conditional word. What follows is the condition upon which what he has said will remain in effect. So what did you just say in verse 22? To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, what is the implication there? It's not hard to figure out. We can stand before God holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight if we continue to live in the faith by the teachings of God's word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can continue to have confidence in our salvation. Don't have to worry about it. Why? Because we're continuing in the faith. We're continuing to live that faithful Christian life. Why did Jesus say, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life? If there was no way that we could not be saved once, or if there was no way that we could not be lost once we have been saved, if there was no way that we could fall from God's grace once having been saved by God's grace. 
would that not have been a useless statement for Jesus to make, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life? You see, giving us the crown of life was conditioned upon our remaining faithful until death. So what should we understand from that? By implication, necessary inference. And that's part of accurate biblical interpretation, by the way. If we do not remain faithful until death, we cannot expect Jesus to give us the crown of life. And that is an eternal home in heaven, eternal life, eternal salvation. We must stay true to God's word. We come back to 2 Peter chapter 3. And so verse 17 again, you therefore beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. Now there's falling again. Being led away, led away from what? Led away from the truth, led away from salvation with the error of the wicked. If I'm following the wicked, I'm following in wickedness on my part. And the wages of sin is death. Romans 6 and verse 23. But he concludes this letter in verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. I need to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of, our, of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That means I need to study his word. I need to keep reading. I need to keep digging. I need to keep learning. As the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved before God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling correctly, applying accurately the word of truth. And that's God's word. And our lives need to be lived to God's glory. The way we live, we need to be focused on serving God, on serving Christ, on giving God glory. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Are you living your life to God's glory every day, every minute of every day? Is your main focus in life getting to heaven, serving God and Christ while you're still alive on this earth? Does the way you live indicate that you're living to God's glory? Think about your lifestyle. Think about your practices. Think about your language. Think about your dedication to the church that Jesus came from heaven to establish on this earth. It's an exercise that we all need to engage in on a regular, consistent, personal basis. I pray that this study has really helped you to grow in your understanding of what God sent Jesus to do when he came as the Savior to establish the church and thereby to establish Christianity upon the face of this earth. The best life that a person can live while still here on this earth with the greatest prospect looking forward to eternal life with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in heaven for all of eternity. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us so much to send your son to be the savior, to die on the cross, to pay the price for the guilt of our sins, to establish the church, his church, your church upon this earth, to bring Christianity to mankind. Thank you for giving us your word written so clearly and so repetitively, communicating to us your will to live that Christian life faithfully, obediently, and to be the shining lights thereof to the people all around us who are caught up in the wickedness of sin, to help them be influenced to turn their lives around through Jesus Christ to come to you for forgiveness and salvation. Please guide us to continue to live that life of faithful obedience. We pray, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.